This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. That is not the three-time, three-time, three-time Hall of Famer, Touchdown. Chris Arnold. That is Bobby Belt, a usual suspect of uh, the Sean and RJ Morning Show. I am not. I am Alec Medford, and uh, we are here with you until 10 a.m. We will give way to the KNC Masterpiece at that point. And the G-Bag Nation with General Gavin Dawson returns at 2 p.m. today, and you will have the full regular lineup for Sean and RJ back tomorrow. So, uh... Let us know what you got going on today, second day of the new year. 877-881-1053 is truckwreck.com. Text line 877-881-1053. Let us know what you're up to today, and thank you for joining us. We will have the humble return of shooting the breeze with the beeve on Let's the other go. side, which I'm so excited for because that was a weekend staple when I first started hosting these things. And quite honestly, my favorite pa- uh, piece of imaging at the station. Thank you. That that was such a great creation. And ever since you made that, and I was like, I'm hosting now. I'm going to make my own bit segment. I overthought the hell out of my AM on the FM intro because I was like, if Bobby's out here just swinging these Yours great really pieces good. of imaging, I appreciate that. I think it's solid, but it's not going to beat shooting the breeze. So I can't wait to hear that fire off at 820. And then a bit that I brought up with Peyton last Monday. Cowboys New Year's resolutions. That was a really fun conversation to have going into the playoffs to see what you would like to fix. We will do that at 840. But right now, there was a really interesting piece put up on The Athletic by Seth Partnow. Uh, You feel feel comfortable with that pronunciation there? I really don't. Okay. but I have no idea what it is either. Justin, how would you pronounce that name? You have a, a last name that I wasn't sure how to pronounce right away. P-A-R-T-N-O-W. Would you say part now, part no? How, where would you go with that? I think Alex pronounced it correctly. I think I think part no's probably right. Because I've seen that name before only with an L instead of an N, and that last name was pronounced part low. So you're probably right. 214, you all going to give the beaver a hot bath, right? Yeah, I had to give the beaver a hot bath, as Mrs. Cleaver said. Yeah, so uh, get ready for that on the other side. Turn it on, leave it on with us. But this article on The Athletic is titled when it comes to individual awards like nba mvp are we valuing contributions to wins correctly which the mvp award across sports always has some sort of factor of debate surrounding it Uh, sure with the nba this article targets you know the lack of talent around certain players and the lack of wins uh, can take away from truly great seasons and take them out of consideration when they really should be considered as they're the only source of their success. The NFL MVP 
everyone's like, it's such a quarterback-based award. We need some uh, parity there in the voting. For baseball, there's plenty of arguments to be made about certain statistics and amounts of games played and you know sample size. There's lots of debate around the MVP, the most valuable player each and every season. But this article that uh, Partno writes for The Athletic is focusing on the NBA MVP. And it's really interesting because he brings up Luka Doncic here. When debating wins as a team versus individual contribution. So, you know, you have plenty of guys on big market teams that are just absolutely lighting it up. You have the Jason Tatums of the world, the Giannis's, uh, before he got hurt, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, because the Nets are somehow playing good basketball nowadays. But you have the guys like Luka Doncic, who don't really have a team around him, and they lose their fair share of games. Fourth in the West now, though, baby. Yeah, fourth in the West, which is wild to think. The West, you can go on a good six or seven game stretch and move up four, five, six spots in the conference. It is absolutely weird right now, and honestly, I love it, especially now that Golden State's kind of a non-factor. But you see... Guys like Luka, he's only missed three games so far this season, but Dallas is 0-3. And And Partno goes into lots of metrics here in terms of their effect on the team versus the team wins. And we just said screw math earlier, but we're going to be doing a lot of math here. So uh, one comparison that he made was before Steph got injured a few weeks ago, his contributions in comparison to Luka Doncic. Uh, Golden State was 14-12 and 12 at the time with uh, Curry, a 44-win pace. They had a plus 2.7 average uh, net rating in those games with a slightly better performance, uh, but only by a win or two when Steph is on the court versus when he's not. Mm-hmm. Luka Doncic, uh, they had a 45-win pace in all of the games that he played with a plus uh, 3.0 net rating in the games he's played. And going 0-3 when he does not play is a bit concerning. It's a good argument, though, for if we're talking about wins, if you want to have wins matter to the equation and how your team plays when you're out. Yeah, and so the question that Partno implores is how bad would they be without him? That is a factor that should be counted in MVP voting and so so is that the, so the question is then not necessarily like how good are you with him how bad are you without him is more the angle so we should look at the flip side so you should it, consider it but like that's that's an interesting way of putting it because like it, it's the question of because some people used to argue against Matt Castle or, or, or argue against Tom Brady uh as the MVP because they they made the point they said um you know, they went, Matt, Tom Brady got hurt in 08, and then Matt Castle went out there and led them. And I'm trying to remember what their record was. Let me look and see. But Matt Castle went out five. there. Were they 11-5 and five that year? Yes. Thank you, Justin. Uh, I couldn't remember if they were 11-5 and five or 10-6. and six. But they went 11-5, and five, uh, and that first game of the year actually was credited to uh, Tom Brady. So the argument had been, 
look, they they won, even though they missed the playoffs, they won 11 games uh, without Tom Brady at quarterback. So how valuable was he? And I had always said the look at the year before where they were, though. They were 16 and 0. They were perfect. So you're talking about that they were five to six games worse without him in the lineup. It's a huge swing. And so even though they were still good, I, I think the question is a good one when it's framed as how bad are you without him? Like, what's the changeover? What's the difference when they go out of the lineup? A lot of the fan techs pushed back against us when we made the argument that Tyron Smith was going to be worth a certain amount of wins this season um, because he had been in the past. Um, but you know what they showed is that you're, you were you were fine without him. You weren't worse without him. And so that that would be an argument against how critical he is to the the the, the way the team operates. Yeah, and it's it's intriguing to think, especially in the NFL, you talk about the quarterback position, and obviously that that is arguably the most important position in all of sports mm-hmm. when you talk about team success and really just the flow of the offense is surrounded around the quarterback. Then when you think about the NBA, you do have MVP candidates at multiple positions. You have guys like Jokic. You know, you have a big out here. Uh, you have Giannis. You have these bigs that are out here putting up godly numbers, scoring 50 points just like Luka. And then you have the point guards of the world, and you have the ball handlers like Luka, like Steph Curry, Jason Tatum. So at what point do you think position comes into play there as well? Because you talk about the MVP in the NFL. Quarterback, that's one thing. Uh, do you think that maybe these things get skewed in the NBA, especially with Luka, because there are guys of different positions that aren't supposed to be doing what they're doing, doing it so well? Yeah, so like a guy like uh, Jokic, for instance, and and the position that he's in doing things similar in terms of, not exactly the same, but in terms of like distributing the ball and doing other sorts of things. Um, yeah, I mean, I think all of it factors, it's... It's really difficult because the the question about MVP, people all you always argue with you about. Well, MVP means most valuable, so so how did their their they contribute value to their team or whatever else? And then other people say you calculate that by just saying who's the best player. So MVP means best player, and so that little definition and how that comes to play is difficult because even if you watered it down to best player, it's like. Okay, well, who's the best at their position? Are we given certain multipliers or, or certain difficulty, uh, you know, markers to certain positions that even though maybe they they don't do this as well as this guy does at this position, his position is more difficult, and thus he's better. It's it's a complicated question that we've obviously been trying to kick around for decades um, as sports fans and things like that. But if you're going to ask me which one is more impactful, I would say the question of how does the team play without them or how much worse are they without them is more important than I think the what they do within their position and how they do things outside the norm for their position. But I do think that's something that is at least a factor to consider in terms of how well they're playing. And that's a good point that you brought up at the end because as Partno breaks down in this article, when you do like player tier lists, you and you see some of these powerhouse teams have multiple all-stars and whatever having a single tier one player and winning you know 51 to 60 games or 41 to 50 games 
in that range is way more impressive than having that tier one player and several tier three players winning 60 games. There's a lot more to the eye test there in terms of the success. Obviously, the net rating, the plus minus is what it is. But when you have guys like Steph Curry cooking and doing what he does on a team that has, you know, two potential all-stars right. or has a six-man of the year and an all-star versus a Luka Doncic where he has, at best, you know, a 25-point Christian Wood, which he does not get much time on the floor at the same time with. And you don't have really anyone credible outside of that. You don't have a six-man of the year candidate outside of him. You don't have an all-star outside of him. You don't have a true 1A ball carrier those things factor in so the argument is the contribution of a superstar supermax player on a bad team because we've said it before on these airwaves the Mavs are a lottery team without Luka the Mavs are quite possibly the worst team in the NBA without Luka and there there should be no debate around that if you take a guy like if Jason Tatum goes down for a week with the Celtics they're gonna notice it they're going to win games. That's just who they are. They are that well coached. They are so good at defense, and they have surrounding players around him. You have Al Horford. You have uh, Jalen Brown. You have all these role players and starting players that just know their job and execute it so well. He's all yeah, but also like the fact you forget there is like the motivation of trying to win for Nia Long. Like you That's don't also something you, that's huge. You don't factor that in when you consider like just the collective motivation to win it for Nia. You know, I wonder if that's why the Celtics are the favorite right now. They're just playing Nia Long. They're playing some motivated basketball right now. Just for Nia. Just for Nia. They've got hashtag win it for Nia plastered all over their locker. Yeah, that's maybe like the closed days, you know, where media isn't allowed in the locker room. That's when all the the posters come down. And they're like, we need to to really live this. But exactly. Yeah, and it's an interesting conversation to have about the MVP award because if you were to consider the, you know, the plus minus of Luka Doncic, the win-loss record without him, how much he truly plays, the usage rating, there's... It's getting to a point where, you know, it almost feels like we're debating you need to factor a lot more analytics into it, which that's a a whole other debate in and of itself. But there is a debate to be made that there are guys that are going to go unnoticed just because of what's surrounding them. We made the joke about, you know, Luca and Mike Trout being one in the same. Mike Mm -hmm. Trout puts up, you know, if he were to retire today, he's historically one of the best best baseball players ever. One of the best hitters ever. And if I, you know, grabbed him and put him in the park small in Arlington right now, well, nobody consent. would, nobody would, know, nobody would know who he was. You know, it, it's Ooh, no, I think there would be people who know. There, it would be would few be and two. far between. There but, would be two, but I do think it's it's also just because he happens to look. I think a little, uh, like he looks a little bit like a creative player on like Madden or something. <laughs> like there's just no like defining features about him when you see him. I think that's also partially a play there. That is true, but <laughs> I think Luka Doncic is a bit easier to notice when you are six foot, what, eight? Yep. Six foot seven? Yeah, something like that? Sure. 
Yeah, so uh, stunning he good looks, beautiful yeah. eyes, all that. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, the cadence and everything. Mm-hmm. He, he's easy to pick up mm-hmm, in a crowd, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that is an interesting debate uh, to make. That Luka Doncic. It's a masterful one, you might say. Uh, I'd rather not go there because it is now eight in the morning and I am out of my safe zone to oh, make okay. those kinds of jokes, Bobby. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but I do appreciate the creativity, and I, and I do appreciate the uh, the interaction on the truckart.com text line. Uh, you know, four six nine. Same applies to the quarterback. Uh, four six nine saying in the NBA, single player can win games. So if a player isn't winning, his value cannot possibly be the highest in the league. There's limitations, though. There is limitations, and the perfect, the epitome of those limitations is the Dallas Mavericks. Like it, it is, it is right there in front of you, right at the double AC. So I, I, I understand the sentiment because that makes sense for a team like the Celtics, for a team like the Bucks, for really any of those Eastern Conference teams that have such a good composition right now. That conversation can be made, not necessarily here in Dallas, but coming up next, right here on one hundred five three, the fan. It is time for shooting the breeze with the Beave. Where are we going, sir? Who is an actor or actress that you will watch their new movies or television shows no matter how bad it looks? That's next on The Fan. Oh, that is the uh, dulcet tones of Bobby Belt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. um, Hello, Peyton Russell, if you're awake. He's probably still awake from when you woke him up I hope he went back to sleep. I called him at 520 this morning and thinking it was going to be him in here, and he he was rattled by it, and I apologized. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's enough because I would have been heated if I woke up at five when I'm. You wouldn't have been heated at me though. It would have been an honest mistake, and then I would have just been like, "Man, I'm sorry." I, I was very apologetic, and you guys know me. I'm not apologetic about much. Like I got to be a uh, troll so hard all the time, and so the fact that when I go to apologetic, I think it resonates more. That's actually a great point because we know that is not your forte, <laughs> especially no. after hosting with you for a few times. I have learned that. Uh, pretty quickly coming up on the other side we will do some cowboys new year's resolutions you're going to give us on the text line uh, some new year's resolutions for the cowboys going into the playoffs what do you want to see them fix going into wild card weekend and into the 2023 season if you have anything looking forward into the draft or free agency what have you let us know what you got and just a reminder the KNC masterpiece will be following us at 10 a.m. but right now it's time for this I gave the beaver a hot bath just wrapping with the fellas shooting the breeze my name's beaver beaver is that your given name yes ma'am truckwreck.com fan text 877-881-1053 877-881-1053 you can also hit us up on the Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam, and on YouTube. Uh, just search YouTube 105 through the fan, and you will uh, see the live stream there. And you can weigh in on this question. For those of you that are not familiar with this segment, you are familiar with me on this show uh, during this this time period, during this, this day part here. Uh, but what you may not be familiar with that we haven't done here that we typically would do on the weekends is this segment, Shooting the Breeze with the Bee, which is we take a, uh, a topic to kick around sometimes it's sports sometimes it's it's pop culture it's 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 life stuff whatever it may be uh and we just you know shoot the breeze kick it around with you guys and get your opinion so here's the question for today and i want to get you guys to to send in your thoughts so get your names ready alec justin they're gonna have their names ready who is an actor or an actress that you will watch their new movies or television shows no matter how bad it looks so you watch a trailer 
you read a description for a show, whatever else, and you're like, I am out on this. And then you see a certain someone is in it and you go, well, crap, I've got to at least give it a try now because that person usually makes great stuff or or I love their character so much. No way they would sign up for a bad project. However you want to define it. Um, the inspiration from this came from my wife, which one of her favorite shows of all time is that 70s show. And Solid. Netflix recently released the trailer for that 90s show, which is, uh, I believe, coming next month or later this month, something like that. Um, and boy, it's, it's terrible. Did you watch Boy Meets World growing up? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Justin, did you watch Boy Meets World? Yep. Okay. So when Girl Meets World came out as a, a sequel, it was like this terrible side story that basically they just used the, the, they, they, the pin to get you drawn in the hook is, oh, look, it's Corey and Topanga and they're adults. And maybe it's not like the same focus of the old show, but that alone should be able to pull you in. So that 90s show is trying to pull you in with Red and Kitty and that, hey, we're, we got the, the grandkids back in here, but it looks very much when you watch the trailer that it is focused on new storylines and that these people are just here for nostalgia yeah. and that it's more about these new kids. And it looks terrible. It looks really <laughs> honestly awful and it doesn't look like it has the same edge as the old show or anything else. So we're watching the trailer. And my wife is just super disappointed, shaking her head and just like, I am not going to be watching this. No, no, no way. Then Fez pops up and she sees Fez is in the oh, show. Oh, yeah. And then she sees Hyde and Jackie make an appearance. And then she sees Eric and Donna. And when she saw Eric and Donna, she was getting excited. When she saw Eric and Donna, she's like, I'm watching it. She's like, I don't care how bad the show is. I'm going to suffer through whatever is terrible about the show because those characters, those actors. Yeah. And maybe this is more a little specific to with her in that instance. It's not so much about the actors as much as it is the nostalgic characters. But it got me thinking... Who's an actor or an actress that that does that you can do that for? And my number one that I've always come back to on this, no matter how bad the movie looks, no matter how disinteresting the topic is, whatever else, the person for me on that is Ed Norton. Whenever okay. Ed Norton's in anything, I'm going to watch it. So I could see a, a, a terrible trailer. I had zero interest in the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Zero interest in a lot of the comic book stuff. When I found out he was Bruce Banner in the Hulk, like, 15 years ago, I went and saw a midnight showing of it because I was just like, Ed Norton's that good. And if he's associated with the project, it can't be all that bad. So when he's associated, I watched freaking Isle of Dogs. There's no way I'm watching Isle of Dogs other than, <laughs> oh, Ed Norton was in it. So when Ed Norton's in something, that's a, a big hook for me. So as you guys send in your answers on the truckhack.com fan text and Twitch and YouTube, YouTube, Alec, uh, who's that person for you? Uh, for me, there's two that come to name. Uh, I'd go Margot Robbie for obvious reasons. Uh, just like the five four zero. Yeah, because really, she's in some really different wild films. But a good example for me was the Birds of Prey, like spinoff DC movie. Mm -hmm. That movie sucked. But she was in it. But she was in it. So what did I do? Is that, I w is that her acting though for you? I mean, she's good as Harley Quinn. She really right. is. Right, but is that the acting why you have to watch when she's in it? Obviously not. Oh, but, okay. All right. <laughs> but that, that's why I'm giving two here, but uh, to be fair, but uh, I did see we got a text from uh, Jared Sandler, who is up and listening, and in yeah. all caps, we got Blake Lively. He, which, he is, it's it's borderline obsessed. Yeah, his, his to the surprise of no Blake one. Lively. Color me surprised. Um. 
My second one would be Robert Downey Jr. I, That's a good answer. I he's he's you know known for Iron Man, Tony Stark. That's it. And obviously, I'm I'm a Marvel nerd, so I sat down and watched every appearance he made in Marvel. But the more I watched him, especially growing up, play Iron Man, I was like, I just really like him. He's very charismatic. He's witty. He's fun, and he's he's a really good actor. He's good at selling and. I was like, okay, I'm going to start giving some of these things a try. So, like, when the new Dr. Doolittle came out in, what, like, 2020? Yep. Like, that was a fun movie that I would not have watched had it been anyone else. But I saw the trailer, and I was like, yep. There it is. RDJ, baby. RDJ. I I gotta see it. Robert Downey Jr., honestly, since uh, around... I mean, he was in some great movies early. 1993, he was in Shortcuts. He was great in that. Um, he was in, uh, gosh, what was it? the the Chaplin movie that he got uh, nominated for an Oscar for playing Charlie Chaplin. He was great in that. So he was in yeah. some good stuff. His career obviously took a a little bit of a uh, divergent path uh, with some of his issues. But uh, ever since he came back, did like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and then came into Marvel. He's a, a pretty reliable one, I agree. Justin, who's your actor or actress that you just got to check in on? Uh, I would go with uh, either Daniel Kaluuya or uh, Brian uh, Tyree Henry, uh, Paperboy from Atlanta. Oh, I didn't even like. I was just. I was. When you're starting to listen to that name, I was like, I don't even know who that is. Like, it just clicked yeah. with me. Those are very, very particular answers. Now, Daniel obviously is. Uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff now, um, and he's been fantastic. He's so good in Get Out. Um, but in general, those, those are those are good answers. I do like the idea of the. Some of the role characters that can pull you in like that, yeah. Because like, or, or or less big names. Rufus Sewell's always been one for me like that. He was in uh, oddly enough, The Illusionist with Ed Norton back in 06. But he was in a TV show called Man in the High Castle, where he uh, he played actually a the the thrust of the show is an interesting one. It's like a uh, it's based off of a Philip K. Dick novel that's got the idea of the Germans got the bomb before the u.s and world war ii went a different direction and so uh rufus sewell plays this new york uh originally from new york uh u.s military general or something and then he ended out when the nazis took over just switched sides and became a nazi and so it's uh he was so so good in that that now whenever i see he's in anything he's in that new show um that's being told uh, you maybe saw it the like there's eight different episodes and you can watch them in any order yes um gosh what the heck is the name of that show it's kaleidoscope he's in kaleidoscope and i was kind of interested in it but as soon as i saw him i was like my wife and i were like we're watching that um kristen bell's another one and that's not i just i genuinely like i've always thought she's a really good actress um and she's been in a lot of bad stuff. So yeah. that one is definitely a commitment to that. Uh, let's go to the truckwreck.com fan text. Some of these uh, names that we got here. 817, anything with Jeremy Renner. Uh, 281, Christian Bale. Also, I interviewed Margot Robbie, and she's hotter in person. Hey, 281, you need to uh, text Alec because he's yeah. going to need to hook up. Can you uh, DM me on Twitter, Alec on the radio? Please, please. do. Uh, 903, Denzel. Denzel's a big one, I feel like, for a lot of people. Yeah, like, absolutely. Because it's just in general, even when it's... It doesn't have to be, like, the most high-minded thing. In general, like, he's really good in mindless action flicks. He's good in dramas. Whatever he does is usually really good. 972, Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis is a really great actor, and he's a very picky one in terms of how much he wants to pick his roles because he's been... I mean, he's the only actor to win Best Actor three times. 
but he's been in 30 movies in like 40 year film career. Yeah. And I think, he, I mean, he's essentially retired now, but he hasn't been in hardly in anything. I don't think in, since Lincoln, he was in Lincoln in 2012, nine in 2009. He's just a very particular actor, really good actor. Wasn't a, never been a big fan of a lot of the movies he ends up being in though. Very much Robert Pattinson, like where he will just slander any movies and that's that's my favorite bit in Hollywood. <laughs> it really is. This is a, some of these answers are, are really good. 309, Regina Hall. That's an interesting, like, like some of these answers I would not expect at all. Uh, 817, Jason Bateman. We are big fans in our house of, um, gosh, why am I blanking on his name all of a sudden? I just had it. Uh, Jason Sudeikis. Yes. Sudeikis yeah. is one that whether it's drama or comedy or whatever else, he is so damn good. Mm-hmm. And we are always in on anything he does. Uh, 903, Jim Carrey. Uh, two on four, Hayden Panettiere. Hayden was really good um, in. Not she's out of my league. That was the Jay Baruchel movie. Um, gosh, I cannot remember the name of the movie she was in. Now she was in a movie uh, that's like one of those coming of age takes place in a single night, um, like high school graduation type. I love you, Beth Cooper. That was the name of that. And yeah. technically speaking, it's a terrible movie. Yeah. It's like it's bad writing, but it's fun. And she's so good in that. Uh, a couple other names we've got here. Carrie Washington, uh, 940, Ed, Ed Norton. There you go. Appreciate that. 469 also. Bobby, your taste in an actor's trash, just like your light bulb head. Fair enough. Totally agree with you there. Uh, some of the Twitch and YouTube chat we got here. Uh, Twitch, a lot of people saying Samuel L. Jackson. That on was going to be one I threw out there. That, Art, that's solid. R.C. Bowen says Tom Hanks. Uh, let's see here. Opie World says Denzel. Uh, Jalapeno Whisperer says Morgan Freeman and Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah is an interesting one that I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. Uh, Jared, this one's interesting to me, okay? And we're going to have to have a discussion about this. Jared Donahue, or Donahue, it's who though, H O O, on the YouTube chat says Jason Statham. I'm the opposite. When I see Jason Statham's in a movie, I go, it must be bad. <laughs> and I don't want to watch it now. That is a wild card. I, I just like hearing his voice because it's like anything he says can be so funny. That's about it. But I'm like, do I'm going to pull up his filmography right now. Am I wrong? Like, what's a really good Jason Statham movie? A, a great one for me is, uh, gosh, what's the one he was in? The Guy Ritchie movie uh, that I love with Brad Pitt. Um, crap. I'm blanking on it now. I'll find it here in a sec. But he's like, Jason Statham, we generally, when I see that he's in something, it's... It's something that I don't want to watch. Snatch. He was in Snatch. Snatch was great. But after that, like, you got The Transporter. That wasn't a great movie. Uh, all the, the Like, all the Transporter movies. Crank was a movie I was so pumped to see. I thought it was going to be really good. And I watched it and I was like, this is one of the worst movies ever. And I know that's a, a big film with the bro crowd. They loved it. Yeah. Around, like, 06 when Alec was three years old or yeah. whatever he was there. Yeah. Uh, but Crank was one that... Like, I feel like he ruined that movie. He brought it down. I'm not hmm. a big fan of the big, like, if all they do is solely mindless action films. When I see they're in something, that gets me upset. So Jason Statham, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, like, those type of guys, whenever I've seen they're in something, I'm like, that's probably not a great movie. And they've made some good movies. Yeah. Like, True Lies was a good one with Schwarzenegger. Like, their Terminator was obviously a good one, but I don't know. I, I've never been a big fan of Jason Statham. Is there an opposite like that for you? Like, you see somebody's Ooh. in it, you're like, I'm not going to watch that. Off the dome. 
two one four might be right. Bobby, you're mad because Jason Statham beat Ed Norton in the Italian job. That might be right. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that actually does make a lot of sense. I don't know if there's any one person that just kind of turns my head away from a movie. Honestly, like I try to give everything a shot unless it just looks absolutely terrible. Uh, there, there's really no one out there right now that I just genuinely dislike. 682 says uh, they immediately want to watch a movie when it has uh, Mia Khalifa. Not sure who that is. Um, yeah, it's for a certain crowd. Should I Google that name and yeah, find out? Probably not. I guess not. Uh, eight one, some, of these, some of these answers now are cracking me up. 814 Lily from AT&T. Uh, let's see here. What else do we have here? Brian Cranston is a really good answer. Because ever since, like, I mean, when you, since we watched Breaking Bad, my wife and I are the same sort of way that it's, now I've gotten to the point, I used to love his movies, I've gotten to the point when I see Seth Rogen's in something, I kind of don't want to watch it. That's a, that's a fair one. Because outside of his greats, I do not keep up with his other work. It's just something like, I mean, I I got turned off by like Sausage Party wasn't good to me. That was awful. That was a terrible It just, it was, and I get what they were trying to do and everything. But like, to me, Sausage Party was just like... And I don't have a problem with like vulgarity in movies, but it's like, this is funny just because it's so over the top. And it's like, yeah. mm, not really. Like there, there's nothing to it. This is the end was a movie I was really excited about. I didn't like this is the end. So generally, like lately, whenever I've seen Seth Rogen and something, I'm a little turned off by it, which is funny because early on, that would have been one that it's like, I'm going to watch it because of him. Yeah. But Justin, for you, is there anybody that completely turns you off from a movie? Just like, no, I'm not going to watch that with them. Uh, Will Ferrell. Really? What? Why? And we just got like three texts. Will Ferrell. That it's too. so funny because yeah, we're gonna a bunch of people say Will Ferrell. My wife loves Will Ferrell, or as or, or, or the same as you. She cannot stand Will Ferrell. Where it's like if he's in something, she doesn't matter if it's a quick cameo. She's like, I'm not watching it if he's in it. What's his? What's your problem with him? You just think he's completely unfunny? I, I mean, I get, I get the why people like him. It's just not my cup of tea. I mean. I think I remember my first like Will Ferrell movie was like kicking and screaming. And I think that was by far the funniest one that, but that was a kid at the time, but I not a big fan of Step Brothers, And the fact that people make that their personality is like in that movie is kind (laughs) of. See, Step Brothers is Step Brothers is one where I feel like it's funny the first time you watch it. The replay value is not great. Absolutely. I I feel like the the jokes just are like, all right, fine. Now we did get a uh, submission from 214. Colin Farrell is a red flag. Normally, I agree. If you haven't seen the movie In Bruges, that's a killer flick that he's in that I absolutely love. That's also got Ray Fiennes in it and some other people. But anyway, some good answers, some uh, some good interaction here on the truckwreck.com fan text. Uh, and that was Shooting the Breeze with the Beef. I love this segment so much. And real quick, one person I want to give their flowers, Andy Circus. <laughs> that's that's one that you want to watch anything he's in yes because he's such a universally talented man and finally in andor they just let him literally be him you know no makeup nothing he was literally just himself and he was fantastic he's in 13 going on 32 yeah and it's just the most recent thing that i've seen with him being himself and it's great but then you talk about the voices and everything fantastic but coming up next right here on sean and rj on 105 through the fan cowboys new year's resolutions what do you want the cowboys to fix in 2023 whether it's playoff related or into the offseason draft free agency tell us next on the fan welcome back right here on the sean and rj morning show on 105.3 the fan alec medford in for sean sharif bobby belt alongside Justin Honoré on the ones and twos and Ryan Couture back there running your fan cam, Dallas uh, fan cam on Twitch. 
and the 105.3 The Fan YouTube page. I got one final submission for you okay. uh, from our, our good buddy over with the Cowboys. Cowboys PR whiz Joe Trahan says George, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is his actor that he's got to watch, which is a good one. Ever since he like he came in like, gosh, he did um, uh, uh, uh he did the lookout, which was really good. Yep. Uh, Brick, uh, fifty fifty, um, five hundred days of summer. Joseph Gordon Levitt has been really really great since you know Third Rock from the Sun. So good submission there. Glad that you are riding shotgun with us, turning it on, leaving it on, and we want you to get involved right here. In this segment, yet again, truckwreck.com, text on 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053, because it's the new year, in case you were under a rock the past few nights, or just hungover, that happens. Uh, it is the second day of the new year, which means it's time to go over the Cowboys' New Year's resolutions. And what do I mean by that? What What can the Cowboys do this year? It could either be in a couple of weeks in the wild card round, unless they get the one seed, maybe that's your New Year's resolution. They, you know, man up and get the one seed. Everything falls into place. Or uh, it could be something looking into the future of 2023. You could say in the off season, you know, if you want a coaching change somewhere in the staff, you know, let us know. If you want to draft a certain position in the first round, a certain player, if you've already started looking way too far ahead, uh, like a lot of people do this time of the year, let us know what you've got in mind for the Cowboys New Year's resolutions in 2023. And I start by asking Bobby Bell, if you could get one thing to come true in 2023 for the Dallas Cowboys, what would it be? One. So I get to pick one. Because there, I got three that are that kind of stand out to me because I'm also short-sighted with my New Year's resolutions. You can throw them all out, but what is the one that you would say absolutely needs to happen? Eliminate the turnovers. Okay. That's my New Year's resolution. I, I want to. I, I want the Cowboys to eliminate turnovers, uh, fluky and non whatever. Like, like, and I understand that's some of the flukiness you're you're not going to be able to control. Yeah. But get rid of the turnovers. If you eliminate the turnovers, there are so many, so many things about this team that get cleared up right away. So many problems that that this team could potentially run into that just disappear as long as you're protecting the football. And so it doesn't clear up all their issues. And, and you know, I don't want to make it sound like they're this plagued football team. They're one of the, you know, probably five, six best teams in the NFL. Um, but it is one of those things where if you eliminate the turnovers, I think you you really put yourself in a good position to contend here down the stretch. That's a good one to start off with because that is something that is recent and that is also something that is fixable. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the show that each turnover, each interception has its own story and you can break down the X's and O's of why things happen and what went wrong and who's to blame. But when you just get rid of them all together, good things happen. And especially the point I keep harping on is some of these teams that you have faced in recent weeks, uh, a la the Houston Texans, the Indianapolis Colts, when you turn the ball over against teams like that, a lot of the times it won't hurt you, depending on the field position. A turnover could be as effective as a punt sometimes against those teams. Against these NFC playoff teams, they know what complimentary football is and they know how to take advantage of opportunities. They are going to score off of these turnovers and they're going to make you pay. 
You know, you can't afford to make those mistakes against good teams. So I think the turnovers are definitely a good place to start. Yeah, it's one of those where when you look at the first, uh, what was the first 10 games of the season, Dallas turned the ball over nine times. So fewer than a turnover a game. If you just look over the last six games, they've turned it over 12. So you're talking about you go from fewer than a turnover game (sighs) to two a game. You've got to eliminate some of that. Now, they have started taking away the ball at a very high rate. Uh, And then that's been very helpful. I I mean, earlier in the season, we were talking about, hey, the defense is playing a lot better. They're they're more stingy, but they're not getting quite the turnovers that they were last year. But, you know, it's good because they're playing solid football now. They're they're starting to have some some issues at times, you know, some leakiness in the run game. Maybe they're getting hit with some big passes down the field. But now they're getting all those turnovers again, Uh, even though Dallas is in those last six games has turned the ball over 12 times in the last five. They have 16 takeaways talking about three a game. Wow. So if you can continue to take the ball away, that helps cover over some of the problems that turning the ball over creates. But just don't turn the ball over. That, some of those numbers are actually wild to think, and it is pretty sad, honestly, that the defense continues to be one of the best in the league at turning the ball over and forcing takeaways, and it almost goes unnoticed just because of all the other circumstances surrounding not only the defense, but the offense. You talk about the turnovers they create on the defensive side, the run stopping. You talk about the pass coverage with you know, some backup corners and young corners and Nashawn Wright and Kelvin Joseph. And we got a text in uh, just a second ago saying, you know, they want Kelvin Joseph off the team. You know, <laughs> that's that- not exactly how they said it. 903 New Year's resolution is for the Cowboys to take Joseph to the downtown Dallas Greyhound station and drop him off. Put him on a bus and get him out of town is what they want. See, and that was great. I, y'all are just blowing up the text on. I can't keep up. But um, I mean, it's not horrible. The way he's been playing, I don't know if the coaching staff necessarily is ready to just punt uh, because even with the dumb penalties, he's been giving you some life on special teams. Well, that's the thing. If you punt, he's going to commit a penalty. So uh, I don't know if they can punt on him. I stand corrected. Take him to the dart station and we'll be fine. (laughs) That's Uh, six penalties on special teams this year. That's rough. That's bad man. That is really bad. And that's the thing. That's all he's being asked to do. And and if all you're asking your second rounders to do special teams and you're committing all those penalties it's like i don't know that it's worth it so i don't know i got another resolution for you though get the pass rush back i need the pass rush to return and i get why part of it is fatigue season wears on you get guys who are banged up things like that i understand all that the other aspect of this obviously is teams are responding to the way that you rush the passer there was a lot of twists there were a lot of stunts Teams have instead said, okay, fine, we're going to get the ball out faster. Those tend to take longer time to develop, those twists and those stunts. We'll get the ball out quick, and then they won't have time to get home. So getting rid of the ball quickly has been a nice neutralizer for that. Um, you know, they've, they've put chips and double teams on Micah Parsons, um, some do, doing some different things. So my New Year's resolution is for uh, Dan Quinn, uh, Adam Dirty, those guys to to really come up with a strong plan heading into the playoffs to make sure that the pass rush returns. And that was something at the beginning of the season that we really thought and they proved was going to be the identity of this group was that's a group that can get home. They can get home with four. They can blitz with the best of them. They can create pressure against the best of them. That was their identity because the run game was inefficient 
for lack of a better word. And now that's a tired group. That's a beat up group. And one thing that I've even noticed on tape, which is interesting, just small little details. One thing that I've noticed a lot, especially with Anthony Barr, whenever he lines up on the Mm -hmm. line of scrimmage, I've noticed a few times him looking back and wailing his arms, like, where am I supposed to be while Leighton Vander Esch has been going? Oh, there was a there was a moment, there were two of them, I think, actually, but one in particular against uh Philly, where Damone Clark and um and Luke Gifford were on the field. And Luke Gifford's been here for a little while, and Luke had to literally grab Damone Clark and throw him to the other side of the formation right at the snap. Like, dude, go over here. Which that's to be expected, some of that. Like, I mean, Damone Clark is is a, a rookie who uh, I don't think they ever intended to play nearly as much as he is. Um, and so because of that, there there's going to be an adjustment. You're going to see some of those things. But for Anthony Barr, again, that's a a veteran who's worked with George Edwards before and stuff. You, you don't want to see that kind of confusion. But, yeah, good, better communication would be great, too, as a New Year's resolution. That would be great. And one that we got from the 817 817- they said, give me John Kitna or the spiritual successor to Wade Wilson. Fire the whole offensive coaching staff and get me someone who's going to help Dak continue his growth into his 30s. While that is a bit bold and out there, do you think there's going to be any kind of movement among the staff this offseason outside of Dan Quinn because of the head coaching opportunities? Uh, I mean, I think they've got guy. I think they've got quite a few assistants who are uh, coming out of contract. And so because of that, they, I mean, they've got decisions to make. There's no, there's no need to, like somebody wouldn't have to be fired. You would just have to make a decision of, do you want to, you know, renew somebody's contract, uh, negotiate with them again, whatever. So I'm sure we'll see turnover just based off of that. Um, Just guys getting different opportunities. The Cowboys deciding to go in a different direction. Um, But, you know, I, the, the question I guess would be, if teams come in and hire Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn, because if they hire them, then obviously you've got to replace those spots. But if they don't, I, I'm not sure that the Cowboys would just move on from either of them. I, I think that they would be here for a while. But the the issue there is also if you get somebody, if Dan Quinn gets hired away, Dan Quinn would need to build a staff. He's he's He brought guys with him from you know Atlanta and connections like that. I'm sure he'd take some guys with him on his, his way out the door. Same with Kellen Moore. If Kellen Moore went, I'm sure he'd have guys that he'd he'd want to bring with him on his new staff. So it's a big question. It becomes a domino effect of if you lose one of your coordinators, you're talking about potentially losing a lot of assistant coaches. That is scary to think about. I talked about it with Kevin Gray yesterday. Is there anybody on staff right now, especially on the defensive side, since it's more likely than not that you would see Dan Quinn to walk before Kellen Moore? Is there anyone on the defensive staff that if you could keep him away from Dan Quinn to be the next coordinator, that you would be totally comfortable with it? Uh, Joe Witt Jr. is a really good coach. Yeah. Um, but again, that would be that that might be tough because he's got a good relationship with Dan Quinn. One of the things about Joe Witt Jr. though, is he's also worked with Mike McCarthy before. Um, so even before those connections here, he he had a relationship with with McCarthy. That was McCarthy was actually, I think they wanted to bring him on in 2020, Joe Witt, and he ended up going to Atlanta. Um. But he's somebody that has a longstanding relationship here uh, with Mike McCarthy, has the relationship, obviously, uh, with Dan Quinn. So that would be a guy that I'd be a little concerned about losing. But if you could keep him here would be, I think, an easy an easy person to recognize as, hey, that's a, an easy elevation. Let's have him become the next coordinator. 
And then one more thing before we get out of here, Cowboys, New Year's resolutions. This has been a hot topic of debate, especially after that Jacksonville game. 6-8-2, I want to get better at the receiver position. After CeeDee Lamb, it's not that good. Is this an area that you could see being a focus in the offseason? Because we've we've had the Odell Beckham talks. We had T.Y. Hilton come in, and he's been pretty good so far. Uh, but you're talking about a veteran guy that was just on a rest-of-the-season type deal. That's still a pretty young, if not unreliable, group outside of CD. Do you think that's a, a area that they could target here? Yeah, I've got season? I've got as one of my the one of the resolutions I wrote down. The third one I wrote down was more Ty Hilton the rest of the way. Actually, is okay. that given what you've seen from him through two games and the, games and the impact he can make, I'd like to see him more involved in the rotation down the stretch. But yeah, he's got through the rest of this season. Uh, you know, Noah Brown's going to be a free agent. Michael Gallup hasn't quite gotten back to himself yet um and and so I, I think you definitely are gonna have to add a receiver special because Jalen Tolbert has not been what you wanted him to be what you thought he could be so uh I think receivers definitely gonna be something that they have to add uh they may get you know they may try to go get a veteran contributor uh, and then in addition to that not just on its own I think they will be in the market for a receiver probably somewhere in the top 100 and if the value's right it very easily could be their first pick Whew. It just worries me after the Jalen Tolbert experiment failed. If you're going to go outside the first round for one of those, you know, guaranteed guys that you have all the trust in the world in, which to be fair, this is a deep receiver class. There's some talent here, but the Jalen Tolbert thing gives me that sticker shock of, you know, second, third round guys. Ugh. Yeah, but you got to you got to trust your evaluators, and they've they've made some good picks for you before. They yeah. got Cedric Wilson paid. Michael Gallup has has been good for you for a few years. Uh, Ceedee Lamb has obviously hit in a big way recently. Tolbert and, and Tolbert by no means is like some sort of guaranteed bust at this point. It's just he's he's had a disappointing first year to be sure. Coming up next on 105.3 The Fan, Rodgers in Arlington or Brady in Tampa? Which one scares you more? Coming up next on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 